Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hanfman. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudla. This is Sebastian Ofner. It's Mark Andrea Wessler. I am Francisco Serundolo. And, and you're listening to the Game to the Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> It's the Australian Open final. Yannick Sinner versus Daniil Medvedev. This is going to be our preview podcast. And it's Yannick Sinner's first ever Grand Slam final down under. JG, you're part Italian. You must be pretty excited for this one. Yes, I really am. My family too. I've received some messages uh, sending some support to Yannick Sinner. Of course, it's his, fir- it's his first Grand Slam final. He's playing against an experienced player who's played in the Australian Open final a few times now. And it's going to be a big ask, despite him being the big bookies favourite. They have him at about 1.3. You've got Daniel Medvedev at freeze. I find that outstanding to begin with yeah. um, and incredible because... I am looking at this one as a very level playing field. It's an even matchup on paper. Medvedev has had to play so much more tennis to get to this stage. He's had to be pushed in five sets, four sets. He's gone into the early hours of the Australian morning against Rusevori. And physically, you could say he's probably not going to be in the best shape as Yannick Sinner. Uh, But he's been here before. He's a bit older. He... We know he physically can endure these long matches and be all right for the next day. So there's a lot of variables, of course. We will be discussing the semi-finals and how they played out because I know I've not really given my thoughts too much on Djokovic, Sinner. And of course, neither of us are given many thoughts on Medvedev versus Zverev. So we'll do all of that and then end with our prediction uh, for the final. Yeah, I feel that this final also... If we look at it in another way, it could sort of be vegetarians versus pescatarians because we know it's the carrots versus the octopuses. And uh, even last night, we were having a little bit of octopus in preparation for this final. I'm excited. And uh, 
Daniel Medvedev, I'm as shocked as you are that the bookies are going so big on Yannick Sinner in his first Grand Slam final. But I think that there are sort of a few factors to, to take into that. Like you said, time on court being one of them. I think a second biggest one, which the bookies always jump all over, which is if you've just beaten Novak Djokovic, they're like instantly now your favourite for the Australian Open, obviously, because no one does that to Djokovic in Australia. So all of these factors sort of add up. And the fact he's beaten Medvedev in the last two finals they played, I think those three things are making those odds so heavy. But don't yeah, rule Medvedev out. One thing about what you've just said, though, is what we've seen, and that is when you beat a big free player, usually you lose the next match. Mm. There is statistics what back this up. Um, there's someone called Nishikori Betts on Twitter. Okay. Go give him a follow. He speaks about this and he tracks it all in these charts and it's quite interesting. But the probability of them winning your next match after beating a top three player is always a lot lower. I don't understand why. It just seems to be the way it plays out. Uh, regardless of that, he is the big favourite. We're going to be giving our predictions. But let's start with... Yannick Sinner, Novak Djokovic, where it all began. So how did yeah. Sinner get to the final? He beat Djokovic in four sets yes. um, and they were very comfortable. And initially, I'm going to say, I thought Sinner was okay. He just played his usual game. But Djokovic did not turn up at all. And it's the first time in all of his Grand Slams uh, where he's not had a break point. Crazy, wasn't it? I thought that stat was one of the most unbelievable stats out of all of them. Yep. And I was so impressed with Yannick Sinner's second serve, the whole entire semi-final. It was a really unreturnable, a lot of them. And that was the shocking thing. And Djokovic even said about it in his post-match press conference as well, that Sinner's serving has got so much better. He said that his positioning and the placement of the ball... Very consistent tennis player now, Yannick Sinner. And that is one thing to take into account uh, coming into this final is he's a great server. Medvedev serve position. We don't know where he's going to be standing for this final. I'm excited to see where Medvedev stands and how well he returns against uh, Yannick Sinner. Yeah, I saw some funny things as well that this was the first time Djokovic played a day session in Australia and he <laughs> lost. So maybe all of the previous successes he's had in Australia, especially semi-final and final, I think it was a 100% win record at them later stages of the Australian mm -hmm. Open. Um, all of them have been night sessions. Imagine if some of them were day sessions. Maybe that's what it is. He just can't handle, handle it during the day. <laughs> I can't take the heat. I don't know. But I think that last year... He uh, had all-night sessions, so then yeah. he won it, obviously. So, And I think that there was a point made by people all over social media that they were counting the number of matches until from his last day session, which is a bit crazy. And then as soon as that came out, they, they put him on in the daytime session. Yeah. Uh, he did get through it. That was the Taylor Fritz one, wasn't it? And then the next one, he got put there again. And then, and I thought it was more crazy as well, that it was actually Australia Day... Um, at, on the on the day of the semi-finals, and they had that one slap bang in the middle of the day when everyone would be out for barbecues and everything. Rather than putting that's more the prime time one people would have probably billed Djokovic Sinner. You'd think it would be on last, but yeah. I don't know. Make of it what you will. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, but strange how Djokovic did perform. Didn't play well at all. By his own words, I think he said it's one of the worst matches he's ever played in a Grand Slam. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was his words. Um, I I would agree. It's the worst match I've seen him play in a Grand Slam for a while. I don't remember the last <laughs> the last time we saw him play and hit so many unforced errors. The total unforced errors was 54 in total. Yeah. And it gave me the sort of vibe like... We hold Djokovic to such a high standard that we always expect him to be playing at 100% and making it look easy. When he doesn't do that, I don't think we can call him out for it because his level's so high all the time. It's true, yeah. It's like all the time. This gives me like... When he actually does lose in a slam, I find that it can be quite convincing because his level has to be really off for him to lose. It's just very rare. Like you don't, yeah. you've got to remember he's human. And I think anyone can have a bad day. Yeah. You have a bad day at work all the time. Um, Thanks. <laughs> not you personally. We <laughs> all do. Right. We all have a bad day at work <laughs> from time to time. Mine seem to be more often than Djokovic's. Um, it's the first time I've seen him have one since we've been doing the podcast. And what I mean by that is we've seen some bad performances, but never in a Grand Slam. Like no. at the back end of a Grand Slam or a final, a semi-quarter final against a big player in a court he's very familiar with, he never, ever falls short. It just doesn't happen. So it was extremely rare. There's going to be people now start saying, oh, is this the beginning of the end? I think it's far too early to say. I'm still expecting Djokovic to be ultra competitive in 2024. He'll still be there and most likely win a Grand Slam or two. So I wouldn't read too much into this, but it was just a bit bizarre that he didn't turn up for this one. First time I can remember it in my lifetime. Big match, he's not really shown any kind of level without sort of Rafael Nadal just completely blitzing him because it's a clay court or something. I think that's different. Yeah, Um, But yeah, moving away from this, let's go through some tweets um, about Sinner. Here we go. So it's interesting. We know the numbers keep flying through. We've got (laughs) two number tweets. We'll bring both of them up. So the first one's this. Uh, Yannick Sinner could be, could win his first Grand Slam at his 17th attempt. You know who else won their Grand Slam at their 17th attempt? That Come is on. Roger Federer. Da, 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 da. There he Insane, is. Insane, isn't it, that, that that happens? I mean, we say that he is very Roger Federer-esque, that forehand, sometimes his serve. He gives that vibe, that calmness. Um, if, he was, if you'd compare him against any of the big three, it would probably be Roger. And it's crazy that he's got now the chance to win his first Grand Slam on his 17th attempt, just like Roger did. Yeah, it is crazy. These numbers keep on like matching up. We've obviously had the Alcalaz one matching up with Nadal too many times now, and yeah, it's getting loads. a bit bizarre. Uh, that they keep on saying, we don't really want to be compared with each other, and then stop doing everything at the exact same age that Rafa did it then. Very crazy. Maybe this is like the following in the footsteps of Big Rog. I know that Novak has said that he sort of sees some similarities in Sinner's game with his game as well because yeah. he says his court coverage and how solid he is off both see that wings as well, yeah. as well. His serving is very, very good. As, but I think Sinner's serving is better than Djokovic's serving was at that age. To Probably, be yeah. yeah. I think Sinner's serving... But maybe that's just the game. Like The game moves on and people get better at younger ages, I think, now. Any I think sport. that's sport in general. Yeah, like All exactly. the sports, you see the younger players coming through and they're able to hit a bit harder than what another generation could. Uh, but the other number one, which is crazy, is the Djokovic loss. So 
if you look up here, what a crazy coincidence. July 16, 2023, Adidas ends Djokovic's winning streak at Wimbledon, 2,195 days. January 26, 2024, Sinner ends Djokovic's winning streak at the Australian Open after 2,195 days. So it's decided then Djokovic will retire in 2,195 days. <laughs> no, it's Ooh. just, it, it, obviously well, that's that a joke. Was that the year 2,195? <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was saying that either. Yeah, who knows? I mean, just, that's... Like the chances of this happening... I don't know statistically, but it's like a million to one, isn't it? <laughs> Got to be more than that, surely. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's bizarre when you see these things. I love love the people who work it out and actually uh, get prepare these stats because they yeah, are because brilliant. we would I would never know if someone didn't show me that because I wouldn't even know to look at it. I wouldn't. It's very clever. Count, I wouldn't be counting it. That's for sure. <laughs> All these people <laughs> they're there studying these stats for just for us to go wow at. But yeah, the Alcalaz one. I thought it was amazing. I sort of said in the after the Sinner match as well that Alcalaz, I know I said at the beginning of the year, Alcalaz maybe has laid out a blueprint for beating Novak Djokovic now at a slam and may, may, well, at least made it people aware it's possible. And now Yannick Sinner's done it. So we've got the two, I'd say the two best young players on tour, definitely Alcalaz Sinner, have now beaten Djokovic in a slam. Probably the hardest ones they could have done it in as yeah, well. Sure. A final at Wimbledon yeah. and a semi-final at the Australian Open. Yeah. That means Djokovic is now beatable at Grand Slams. If anything, you'd think it would happen at Roland Garros or US Open. Exactly. Like it's the two <laughs> slams which he's the most dominant at and which they've beaten him. It's bizarre. Which hope for everybody else in yeah. the other slams, surely now, because... Yeah. Djokovic now, I wouldn't say he's on a decline, but I'd say the others are on the up. So, I mean, if you can follow the blueprint that they those two players have laid out, maybe you could be the next player to defeat Novak Djokovic at a Grand Slam. But I feel a lot of it is just belief. That's the only thing. I feel what Sinner and Alcalaz have, which not anyone else really does. And what I mean by that is Sissipas, Zverev, um, and some of the others who have been lurking around, Felix... Um, sorry to bring him in. <laughs> just drop him in. Um, they just don't have belief. Like they go, they get on the court against a Djokovic or a Nadal, mm. and they've lost before it started. Like they could even go up a set or two. Yep. They just don't have belief that they can really win. I think Sinner and Alcaraz. Sinner did say in his press com- press conference, "We do believe. Like we we honestly feel like we can do it." And that is such a big difference. If you're going into a match thinking you can beat someone. That gives yep. you at least a fighting chance. If you go into anything and don't think you can do it, you're probably not going to do it. So yeah, that is the massive difference, I would say, from them and everyone else, is the mentality, the mindset. Well, and that's one big thing. I'm glad that you brought that up because it's a good segue onto the next uh, part that I wanted to speak about. Mindset has changed for Yannick Sinner, and it sort of does coincide with uh, him bringing in Darren Cahill, and obviously, he's worked with world number ones in the yep. past. And since then, he's had two victories over Daniel Medvedev in finals at the back end of last year. This was July last year. So from then onwards, now, victories against Daniel Medvedev, twice in finals. He got to the final of the ATP Tour finals. Now he's in the final of a Grand Slam. No coincidence, I think, adding somebody to your team who is very good at getting into the head, like the right mental state for tennis players. 
brilliant addition to the team and it's paying dividends already. Yeah, if you bring up the tweet from the big three, it shows this. So 114 days ago, Sinner was 0-6 and six against, against Daniel Medvedev. He's now won the last three matches. He has a chance to beat him once more for the biggest title of his career. In less than four months, Sinner has elevated his game to new heights, beating Medvedev three times, Adkalaz and Djokovic three times. It's not a one-off uh, hit-and-run victory against Djokovic. He's beaten him three times. That is showing a level. That's showing that he's here to stay. And beating at Medvedev three times is ridiculous as well because before it was zero and six. He didn't have any answers for Daniel Medvedev. He's grown into his body. He's looking a lot more mature, physically better. Mentally, he's always been quite strong, but he's got that extra level of belief. And he's now a top three player in the world and fighting for that number one spot. If I'm totally honest, I'd even go to that extreme because he's doing some special things and he's great on all the surfaces. So who's to say he can't go really far at Roland Garros? He's good on clay courts, Sinner. Yeah. People don't, it's not his, maybe his best surface, but I've seen him play some really good matches on clay courts. Wimbledon, he looks brilliant. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he is the most complete grass court player after right now, aside from Djokovic, of course. Well, with, with Djokovic retiring, I don't really see a more complete. Alcaraz has won it, but I feel Sinner's game is probably better, more, more. Beat him at Wimbledon, didn't he? We, yeah, we were there. True, we yeah. watched it. So. He's, he's brilliant there, so he can win that one. And US Open, of course, he can win as well. So he has chances in every single slam. Yeah, and look at this. This, this that, the Darren Cahill effect. This is 114 days ago. A lot of things has happened. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely no coincidence that he's suddenly become a, a mental giant. I think that's the one thing that you have to have, like you said, the belief to be able to beat Djokovic. And that's the one thing that Djokovic had when he came on the tour. Uh, I've watched a video that Moritoglu put out, and it was quite a good one. And he was saying he was the only player that when he spoke to him, uh, Djokovic was convinced that he would be able to beat Nadal and Federer. Everybody else was like flip-flopping around like, oh, I don't know. Djokovic was like, I will beat them. I will be greater than them. I, that's belief. That's where it gets you in the game. Yeah, and a lot of people didn't like Djokovic doing that. They called him arrogant. They said, this young kid, why does he have so much self-belief? But it comes it comes sort of hand in hand. Like, yeah. I feel there's a, you kind of have to be a little bit arrogant if you want to be the best. We've seen that in football. Messi's a little bit of an exception, but with Ronaldo, you can probably strike a lot of comparisons between Ronaldo in football and Cristiano Ronaldo, that is, and Novak Djokovic in tennis. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Messi, like you said, slightly more reserved. I think he just lets the football do the talking, but he still has his moments. Yeah, uh, there's definitely small. an error. I've seen him round with a referee. He gets, um, mm, he gets a few. The difference decisions. with Messi is I never, you never really hear what he has to say because I don't understand Spanish. So True. That I don't know what thing. he's talking about most of the time. He doesn't speak any English. Maybe that is arrogant in itself. He's refusing English. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to go down that route. Otherwise, we'll get ourselves in a world of trouble. Uh, this one, a rare defeat for Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic 24-3 and in Grand Slam semi-finals since 2014. And you've got there, we've got Nishikori, Dominic Thiem, um, Yannick Sinner. I mean, that's US Open, Roland Garros and Australian Open. Impressive. I mean, that's fine company to be in, really, isn't it? 
just doesn't happen. Just simply yeah. doesn't lose these matches. Um, right, let's move on to the other semi-final. This one is Medvedev versus Zverev. And Medvedev, he's done it again. He's come through a five-set thriller. Uh, this time, two sets down against Zverev. Yep. He did it in the round before against her catch. <laughs> That one, he wasn't two sets down. He was uh, it was one all, and then it went yeah, yeah. two one. It just went back and forth. He was two sets down against Rusevori to start the tournament. Man. It's just been he lost the first set of the tournament against Atman. <laughs> it's not been straightforward. Let's let's say that to say the least. Like Medvedev has struggled. He's huffed and puffed his way through this tournament, but we have seen. An absolute incredible level from uh, from Medvedev. Like, he yeah. is producing some of his best ever tennis. He's been asked about the octopus. He said he doesn't like the name. He'd rather be called Medibear because uh, Medvedev means bear in Russian. But the octopus <laughs> is his name he's going to be gi- given because simply he's an octopus at times. I don't understand how he does it. He won this match from this position. 7-5, 6-3. Uh, four uh, on serve three four, but love thirty down on his serve. He just keeps doing it. Shades of Rafa Medvedev from twenty twenty one, isn't it? It's nearly the similar scoreline. But yeah, let's go on. We're talking about the octopus, and this one's talking about his tentacles. Um, he played a fifty one shot rally. I mean, this is just Medvedev. You only really get these stats in a Medvedev match. And uh, this is what it takes to win a point against Daniel. When people call him an octopus, they aren't kidding. His defense is the equivalent of having eight tentacles to get the ball back over the net. And yeah, just incredible. This is what he does. And this is the one thing which Yannick Sinner will not want to get involved with is those long rallies. Like if you get, because he can go all day. That's the one thing. Even Djokovic hates hanging in a rally with Daniel. He he doesn't want to play it because you know if it goes 50 shots, the next rally is going to be 50 shots. The next rally is going to be 50. Yeah. You can't go. Like, he can he, go all He day. suffocates you better than yeah. Djokovic does, better than I've ever seen anyone do really in a tennis court. Yeah. And fantastic. I mean, there's so many great moments to talk about on this match. We'll speak about maybe the my favourite moment, which was the tie break. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know if you want to bring up the tweet for that one. Right, here we go. You got it. So Medvedev after beating Zverev at the Australian Open. So Curry asked him, what changes did you make? Um, and then Daniel was like, at one moment in the third set, I felt uh, tired physically. Looking at him, I didn't feel it. I actually could not run anymore for 40 rallies like we did in the first set. So I was like, okay, let's go more aggressive. If it doesn't work out, I tried. I tried what I thought would work. It started working. I started to serve much better. That tie break was pretty unbelievable. A little bit lucky on five all return, but that's tennis. I mean... This is the moment. So it was at five all return in the tie break. It was five all in the fourth set. And Medvedev simply had to make this point. Otherwise, it would have been match points Zverev on his, uh, well, he wouldn't have been on his racket, but he would have had a chance of match point. And this, he just hit this return, but it looked like he meant it. It was a nonchalant sort of chop drop shot with backspin which just landed over the net on the return of serve of, serve of Zverev. 
And since reading all this interview and everything, and in real time, I thought he meant it, but it seems like it was a little bit lucky. He said the slice was intentional, but the drop shot with a backspin against the wind was not really intentional. Uh, when I touched it and saw it go in, I was like, just don't touch the net. Don't go into the net. Sometimes you need to be lucky and today's my day. <laughs> what did you make of it? <laughs> I like the honesty. He didn't have to be that honest. He could have just been like... Because it well, played it off like it was just a ridiculous shot. Yeah, a very time. Daniel Medvedev thing to try. But he did try the, the, the slice return, but I just don't think he meant it to be like a drop shot like that. It's nice to know that they go through some of the same things that I go through when I hit some returns. Just like, yeah. oh, I didn't know, didn't mean to put it there, but that's a really good shot. <laughs> and that's, I think I've done that exact same shot in the past where I've just tried to get it back and it just turns into an amazing drop shot. And that does happen on occasion. I don't mean to do it, but... Yeah, but you've never done it in a grand slam semi-final yeah. at five or in a tie break. Throw me in there. <laughs> I imagine me trying to return Zverev's first serve. I mean, I don't think it would even make it close to the net. It would probably hit me, yeah. probably blast me into the backboard or something. But no, that was one of my favourite moments because it was so important. And I think it helped Medvedev win the match. The reason yeah. being, Zverev lost so much belief. After seeing that happen from two sets up, he probably started thinking about the Dominic team US Open final and it was all coming back to him. He was like, Medvedev is just doing some crazy things right now. I can't handle this. Get me out of here. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, it's it's one of those things that when you have those ma like moments in a match, I think you realise, oh, it's going to be my day. And I think he yeah. had that thought. It, it was probably my favourite shot of the Australian Open even though it was a lucky one. I just thought it was so crazy and wild. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've got a few others. That probably... What's your favourite then? I think it was the Sinner forehand on the... No, sorry, the Alcaraz forehand on the run. Remember Zverev Alcaraz oh, right, when, yeah, he, when he was coming back in that, that tie, break. tie break and it suddenly went boom, cross court and then yeah. everyone was like... Ah. It just... That, that just seems... felt like something was just changing but then Zverev just was like boom. Yeah, it would have been better if, if he actually ended up then coming back. But Isn't it crazy how, well, most people, I say a lot of people, I wonder how many had Djokovic Alcaraz as the final. And then we ended up with both of them going out in pretty much the exact same fashion of four set losses, both winning the third set and then just getting done over in the fourth set. And not both of them playing not very well. Lots of unforced errors. And very uncharacteristic from both. Yeah, it is weird. Let's move on to the next one. We've got one from Oleg. Uh, and it was a year ago after the 2023 Australian Open. Uh, Medvedev and Sinner were out of the top 10. Medi had gone 12 months without reaching a slam quarterfinal or making a final above ATP 500 level or beating a top 10 player. And Yannick had gone 15 months without reaching a semi-final above ATP 250 level. So this was a year ago. I mean, <laughs> so much has changed. And now these both are in the Grand Slam final of the Australian Open and looking like two of the best players in the world. Yeah, that surprises me, really, that. I, didn't even, I wasn't even really aware of well, that. Well, we was aware, one. really, because Medvedev did have that patch where he wasn't... Mm. When he went he, to he world was at the same one. level. When he went to world number one and then just dropped off a little bit. Yeah, I think it was just unfortunate. He got to world number one. All the stuff with the whole Russia-Ukraine thing happened. He got probably caught in the midst of it and didn't ever perform real. Didn't get any support. 
felt like I felt like mentally he wasn't just there. Unfortunately, maybe now's the right time for him though. If he wins this match, he can go up to world number two. He can overtake Alcalaz, and then this is his best time of the year. Maybe the True, hard court yeah. swing. Remember last year, I think he got to five finals in a row at the start of the year. Yeah. This is the start of his year. He's already in a final already. Yeah. And if he continues like that, I think he'll be world number one before we get to the clay courts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the thing is, he needs to get some sleep. And we've got the tennis letter <laughs> in saying Medvedev signs the camera after beating Zverev to reach his sixth Grand Slam final. And he wrote on the camera, not enough sleep, but whatever. <laughs> very Daniel. It is very Daniel. I mean... This guy has been on court for a serious amount of time, <laughs> hasn't he? It's just ridiculous. How has he played so many five-setters and he's still going strong? Just goes to show he puts in the work in the gym and he's just physically, his body does last longer than most other people on, on the tour. I think the only person you'd probably put up there with him is probably Novak Djokovic, I think. But considering the age... Djokovic is just like in a league of his own for that age. I don't know if anyone will get to that age and be that fit. On the all all of the other people on tour, Medvedev for sure, top. Let's uh, end with a little bit of conspira a bit of controversy, um, not conspiracy, controversy. And this like was the first tweet I sent you, and it's about Medvedev at the end of the match. So there were some people saying at the end of the match between him and Zverev, he uttered the words karma, which is, of course, a word oh, used yeah. by Zverev on Netflix. Um, so it was after the match point. Um, what do you think? Did you think he said it or not? Because I was watching the, the lips and I don't actually think he is saying karma. Most likely it was um, an Italian word, karma, an Italian word for quietness, for peacefulness. Do you think oh. he was saying that or do you think he was actually saying karma? Because, of course, that is, I've seen the video of Zverev saying it about a loss, Medvedev. I think it was at Roland Garros. It was karma for him. Why would he be saying an Italian word, though? Yeah, but it didn't, it didn't sound like cut. It had like oh. a, I felt, it felt like an L in the way he was saying. So I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones. I wouldn't be surprised if he's saying karma. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> it's one of those players. Remember his uh, off-court uh, antics in Paris where he was scratching his face, apparently, with his middle finger. So I don't know. It's yeah, but that was those... different. That was obvious. But this one, it, <laughs> I don't think he was saying karma. But I'm going to put it on record. Oh, I think he was, and I'm, I don't really mind if he was. So, like, <laughs> I think it just adds to his personality, to be honest. But last last tweet, uh, it's going to be the tennis letter. It's going to speak about the head-to-head -head between these two. So let's bring this one back up again. And the head-to-head, -head, as we as we know, it was six love. Now it's not. <laughs> six three. Uh, Yannick has become the first player to beat Djokovic in six years. Didn't face a single break point. Only lost one set all year. Daniil has played three five-set matches in the event. Keeps finding a way. First Grand Slam final for Yannick. Number six for Daniil. Who wins? And probably a good time to get into who we think will win. Exactly. Let's give our predictions right now. Well, I'm on a little bit of a streak with predictions at this Australian Open, uh, specifically Yannick Sinner matches, calling the one in four against Djokovic. Mm. I'm going to try and give a specific one here as well. 
Um, but I, I'm finding it very, very difficult to do so. I feel Yannick Sinner is going to win the first set in a tie break. I think Medvedev is going to come back and win the second set. And it's going to be quite a close one. Uh, maybe a 6-4, just one break. And then we're going to see Yannick Sinner find a little bit of a consistent level. Not a high, high level. He's going to be hitting it hard, but consistently. And what I mean by that is we're going to see a third and a fourth set without him making very many unforced errors at all. He's going to be very consistent. Medvedev is going to start to be less consistent. And that is what's going to be the big downfall. I think it's going to be physically Medvedev struggling. He's going to play two really tough sets, what a tight and, and great level of tennis. And the third and the fourth are not going to be as high level because Medvedev's body is going to start to give way slightly. And we're going to see Yannick Sinner take the third and the fourth and win, and win his first Grand Slam title at the Australian Open and beat Medvedev in four sets. There you go. The old Sinner in four combo. Sinner in four. And I think the, <laughs> I think the fourth one is going to be a 6-2. Well, I'm going to give you my one. Oh, that's quite uh, descriptive. I like it. Um, I'm just going to go into this one and... I'm going to start the same as you because I know that we've been having a look, like looking at some betting odds, looking that type of thing. And as I was looking through, there's some quite good odds on uh, Yannick Sinner winning the first set 7-6. And if you go back to their finals that they played at the uh, back end yep. of last year, Yannick Sinner was winning tie breaks a lot in these yep. finals. And there were... There were no breaks of serve. It was just literally no. serving contest until he got to the tie break. I think the same as you. I think Yannick Sinner will win on a tie break in the first set. I also think Daniel Medvedev, um, I think he's going to get better in the second set. And I think he will take the second set. I'm going to go with, I think it it might be on another Copy tie break. Here. The third set is where it really starts to get interesting. I think Sinner levels up again. I think, like you say, I think it's going to go 6-2 Sinner or something in this set. It's going to be a dominant set. Daniel's going to be moaning. He's going to be something. The umpire's going to do something wrong. Daniel's going to be saying something to him from the chair. Call him uh, a small cat. That's it. Small cat uh, treatment. Then it, that's going to ignite something in him. And then the fourth set is going to go to Daniel Medvedev. This one for sure. He's going to get him in the long rally. It's 50 shot after 50 shot after 50 shot. And then he's going to take that third set. No, fourth set on another tie break. It's going to be like one of those. And then we're going to go into the final one. And let me tell you now, he's been in multiple slam finals before. But the only people that can beat Daniel Medvedev in a slam final is a guy called Rafa or a guy called Novak. Nobody else can beat him in a slam final. And Daniel Medvedev's going to come through in this final set like he's done already <laughs> three times this tournament. And he's going to grind it out and he's going to win the final set 7-5 and claim his second Grand Slam title. Well, there we go. You've heard what GTL have to say. That is our Australian Open predictions. Please leave yours in the comments section below. Ben's got Daniel, the Medi, Octopus, uh, Bear, whatever you want to call him. I've got Yannick Sinner, the Fox, or the Carrot. Um, <laughs> what's what's going to win? 
<laughs> a bear versus a carrot. Hmm. It's going to be interesting. Please join us for the final. We'll be covering it live. Give us a like. Subscribe if you're new. And hopefully the winning prediction streak can continue for me. Wait and see. For to see Yannick. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> the octopus. <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs>